Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, this week we are talking about the sixth episode of the third season called The Studio Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay, so my prediction was not right on point. No. But do you know what? The vibes were there. I was on track. I even called it being fucking Elliot. I I will take that as a semi-win. Like, it's yeah. not an all-out right, all win. Yeah. But it's, it's fucking that. It's like 50%, even like maybe 70% of the way. You, you were right with, in terms of like the vibes of this episode. Yeah, I was like, it'll be an art-related thing. Like, I thought it'd be fun if it was Elliot. Like, oh my god, Elliot, the micro-celebrity. I was... I obsessed. <laughs> Believe it or not, we still have more Elliot, the micro-celebrity coming and up. I am thrilled. You know how like my favourite thing for Hardison is like when he's playing a bit, which we uh-huh. also get in this episode, right? My favorite thing for Elliot is when he's a micro-celebrity. I've just decided it's my favorite thing for his character. It is a delight. Because this is the second instance of Elliot is a micro-celebrity. Uh-huh. Which I feel like we do have to talk about his fangirls. Mm. And the fact, like, I am... They had t-shirts with his face on it. I'm impressed. Like, the turnaround time on those t-shirts. Those girls wasted nothing. Like, they were ready. They were like, we are going to be with him from the ground up <laughs> and like i believe it like we once had like a, an unknown band play at my school and it's like everyone just got autographs because like what if they actually go on to become famous yeah like yeah sell that you, on ebay <laughs> you, you've got to get in early like that is you know what i mean like mm-hmm. yeah no and it's a fucking vibe i love elliot the micro celebrity i love the hardison is like if you're being followed just lose them like isn't that your fucking job and elliot's like this isn't my usual gig. <laughs> what gets me, though, is we've now got Elliot the baseball micro-celebrity. We've now got Elliot the country music micro-celebrity. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I would love to see? There are multiple Wikipedias for this man. Obsessed. I also love the point that he makes to Hardison, which he's like, I am wanted in three countries. I cannot be a country singing celebrity. I just think that is hilarious. But I also have just decided that I desperately want to see and if we don't get this in a show like whatever like it's 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 an absolute pipe dream but also i just can see in my mind's eye elliot on like some kind of early morning talk show scenario as like a micro celebrity chef Mm. like i just that would be incredible like i'm thinking like sunrise you know he's on he's making like a fucking omelet or something like Mm. or he's like one of those people who goes on to like show off a product mm-hmm. they're like oh look at the george foreman grill you know like i just because i think he would hate it yeah but i also think it would be so funny and i think he would be really good at it i can't confirm or deny any of that but i can tell you we do have more elliot spencer micro celebrity coming up i desperately want micro celebrity chef i think that would be iconic but i will take any form of micro celebrity at this yeah. point <laughs> But yeah. Also, we get Joe in this episode for you. I from know. She's not Joe. But. She's not Joe. And let me tell you, watching Joe Supernatural and Lee Supernatural sing country music together in a bar really fucking threw me for a loop. And this scene where she's teaching him the chords on mm. the fucking... That shit was hot. Like, you know that bit where... That thing in, like, movies, which is, like, honestly, like, kind of girl, where, like, there's, like, a woman trying to, like, play pool or whatever, and the guy's like, let me teach you, and he, like, wraps his arms around. I was like, she flipped the script on him. She was like, I'm just going to And she was like, I'm going to put myself in your arms, and I'm going to fuck it. It was hot as hell. And I'm like, 
honestly, I might need to write a fic about this. Like, they never meet in Supernatural canon. But I might have to change that. Like, <laughs> iconic. Like, for those who know what I'm talking about, like, Swayze's is the perfect setting. Like, come on. Like, or the Roadhouse. Like, honestly, interchangeable. Could work. Mm. Either way. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Anyway, sorry, but yes, that threw me for a motherfucking loop. If Sterling had shown up, I would have been absolutely fucked. I would have been like, this is literally just half the cast. <laughs> sure, like, what's the difference between these two pictures? It's like, they're both super nice. <laughs> Though, we do get something in this episode that I kind of love, kind of hate. Like, it's a love-hate relationship. The fucking hideous 2000 sunnies that Sophie's wearing in the bar. I literally have a note that is just like, what is Sophie wearing? <laughs> This is the only outfit I've ever seen Sophie in where I'm like, would not smash. <laughs> it is peak 2000s. She looks peak. crazy. Like, the glasses and the hair and the... And, like, by crazy, I don't mean, like, insane. I just mean, like, for Sophie. Like, yeah. I have... She looks, like, so different to, like, the usual types of, like... And I get it. She's playing a different role. But... It's just so out of left field. And, like, I say that knowing what Parker wore this episode. Which, do you want to talk about what Parker wore this episode? Parker, again, <laughs> looked insane. And, like, again, I mean that in the sense of, like, Parker's number one thing, usually when she's wearing any kind of outfit, is practicality. Mm-hmm. There is nothing practical about what she's wearing. But with this episode, she... Duck, She's just fucking like, I'm just going to be Bjork this episode. Her fucking thing being like, I don't think I'm being weird enough. And Nate's like, I do not think that is a problem. <laughs> like, I highly doubt that is the case. Oh, iconic. Although I will say, I have exactly one complaint about this episode. Mm-hmm. And that complaint is the secondhand embarrassment that I was dealt yeah. watching Parker stand on that stage but and just make noises. Parker's not embarrassed. Yeah, but I was yeah. embarrassed and that's the problem. Yeah. Like, if she had been embarrassed, I would have been like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. The fact that I was embarrassed, that's the issue that I take. I'm like, this is But she's also so iconic for that. She was like, you know what? I'm going to get on this stage because I need to buy time. Uh-huh. I'm just going to make some duck noises. Yeah. Literally, I loved Hardison's whole bit as well when – was it JC? Is that the yeah, name? Yeah, JC. Yeah. Yeah. So she comes in and she's, like, trying to be, like, you know, really welcoming and, like, anything I can do for you. Like, her customer service is peak – you know, and, and he's like, hold up, hold up. Did we you really just good. look her we in the fun. eye? Like, like, we were good. We were vibing. Right? And he's like, think about it. Is it like um, Netherlands or something? And yeah, like Iceland. Pop Iceland, stuff. Yeah. together. And she's like, uh. <laughs> and he's like, you best <laughs> not be saying what I think you're about to say. She's like, I don't think I was. Like, fuck me. Like, I would be JC. Yeah. In that moment. Uh-huh. Like, I would have gone in like, hi, how are you? Like, she's like the real MVP you? here. She is trying so hard. Mm-hmm. Like, she is so good at her job. And it's just a real shame that the, like, the entire con kind of... Hinged on her being, like, gaslit. <laughs> Honestly, we should start a GoFundMe for every character who gets gaslit in Leverage. Because they need therapy. Not the ones who deserve it, but, like, the side characters yeah. who just kind of are in the way. They're almost collateral damage. Like... Typically, like, the leverage sort of, like, crew don't have that much collateral damage. Yeah. But it's not, like, the Avengers level collateral damage where, like, insurance premiums must be insane. But, like, just enough collateral damage where it's, like, that person probably needs at least, like, eight to ten therapy sessions to get through the gaslighting that occurred at their job on that random Wednesday. Like, you know? Crazy. Oh, fuck this 
dude. Fuck this dude. I, every week I'm surprised how effectively they make me hate the new villain of the week. Every week I'm like, I hate this person. They are the scum of the earth. Every single week. I'm like, how do they do this? I can tell you exactly how they like, do it. I know how they do it. They make I'm them like, addict to customer service workers uh-huh. and they make them low-key creepy to women. Yeah. Like, and every time I'm like, you're right. They are the worst. <laughs> I'm like, it's a foolproof recipe for success. Like, just that is how you make a horrible, easily hateable villain. Is yeah. you just make them an absolute piece of shit to, I mean, everyone around them, really. But, like, in particular, like, grabbing that fucking waitress. I mean, like, I've had Philly as pretty as this because I'm a celebrity. Yeah, and also he calls Sophie a little Philly at one point, And I was like, oh, that's, like, literally, I hate you. It's like the equivalent of, like, sweetie. You know, or darling, or like, you know, honey. honey. Oh my god, it, I was repulsed. Also, while we're talking about the villain of the week, how did you feel about the opening scene where he straight up breaks that dude's oh, hand? Oh my god, okay, so I hated it because yes. I really don't, don't do well yeah. with the violence and thought. the gore and the grot, so yeah. I flinched and closed my eyes. And it's also very effective the way they shoot yeah. it. Yeah, well, look, I'm gonna take your word for it because I didn't watch it. But I heard it, and it sounded effective. (laughs) I was uncomfortable. Uh, But I actually, I was surprised because I wrote in my note, my note is, oh, God, I hated that. Also, that was horrendously cruel. And also, I hate when people presume to, quote, unquote, own a town. I'm like, that's just dumb. But the fact that I was like, that was specifically, like, horrendously cruel. And then I think it's Elliot yeah in the next like couple of scenes mm-hmm. says specifically that it was like really cruel and i was yeah. like yeah you're right it was i had the same thought because it's not like they were just like trying to teach him a lesson by like just beating him up broadly like generally like mm-hmm. they were like let's teach you a lesson by making sure you will never play again like big yikes big yikes big fucking yikes like so my first note for this episode was, haha, leverage, the Long Pond Studio edition. Yeah. And then a couple of notes later, I was like, oh, damn, I was kidding about Long Pond, but this is actually Taylor Swift coded. Considering it's all about how the, her masters were fucking stolen. Uh-huh. And a country singer and, like, you know, the shitty record label that, you and know, also, like, took advantage. And... character just really, like, gives off. Yeah, even like, the hairstyle. Vibes, and like... the guitar, like, the acoustic, you know. And... I was like, damn, this is just, like, my two biggest hyperfixations mm. in life are Supernatural and Taylor Swift. And mm. this episode of Leverage was Supernatural Taylor Swift coded, and it really threw me. I, also, I <laughs> literally have the note of, it's called a master, Taylor's version. <laughs> oh, okay, I do have a question about this. So, mm. I am curious as to how the villain who, is it Hardwick? Mitchell something. Um, I want to say it ends in Wick, whether it's Hardwick or Harwick or, and I'm pretty sure his first name is Mitchell because I'm sure that's what Sophie calls him. Kirkwood. Kirkwood. Why was I thinking Harwick? Anyway, point is, God knows. So, what was his name? Kirkwood? Kirkwood. 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 Fuck me. I'm, this is the waking up at 3am showing. So, Kirkwood. I'm, I'm so confused as to how Kirkwood got the master of the song that the brother-sister duo wrote that Elliot was singing. Because Hardison will not let Elliot get past the first fucking line. Because it's pitchy. Because it's pitchy, which, so funny, the fucking bit where Elliot is like, I swear to God, if you say pitchy one more fucking time. (laughs) Hilarious. But also, like, 
Yeah, how did he get a master recording? How did he get it? Because Hardison never let Elliot finish the song. Like, how? It was a, a significant point. I think he did eventually, and I think it's just off screen because Parker's breaking in at the time, so you're seeing the break in rather okay. than the actual. Because I was like, we literally went straight from the scene where Hardison will not let Elliot finish yeah. singing the first fucking lyric to then being like, here's the master, great. And I was like, when? When? Like, it's the- I think it's just like not. <laughs> Like, it's implied time off screen. Yeah. And, like, like they just haven't implied it super well. So like, Yeah, I feel, of, like, I feel like the editing maybe wasn't quite there. Yeah. Or maybe, like, they cut a scene for time or something. Mm-hmm. Something's missing that makes that super obvious and cohesive. But, but yeah, the pitchy, define it, you define it, I'm not saying it every two seconds. <laughs> yeah. This, this episode just has so many iconic lines. Uh-huh. The whole, like, the bit where before Elliot performs on stage for the first time, and Parker's like, I startled you. Like, I never mm-hmm. startled you. He's like, you're a cat burglar. She's like, yeah, I've been a cat burglar since I was 10. Maybe nine. Yeah. But, like, the point is, I never startled you. Yeah. Because he's stage fright. I know. And it's so... Do you know what? Actually, I had a lot of really fun moments in this episode that I really enjoyed. I think my favorite moment was when he goes backstage afterwards and he just looks like he's so exhilarated. Like, he had so much fun. Like, he looks just so genuinely, like, happy. Like... And I realized, I was like, damn, we don't really get to see Elliot look like that very much. Mm-hmm. Like, we see him joking sometimes with the yeah. or whatever. But, like, on a case, like, on yeah. a job, like, very little. And so, like, he had this, like, big grin and he, like, swooped the door shut. And he's like, how'd I do? And I was like, baby, you did so good. I'm so proud of you. But also my note for that scene is men are stupid and horny Elliot's version. Yes. As soon as he took the fucking earbud out. Ooh. It's fine. Those guys got in a fight. Yeah, I... I, like, I know that Nate is annoying as fuck. I love the concept that he was able to be so annoying that he manipulated the other two dudes. Into turning on each other. (laughs) Hilarious. I mean, the other alternative is that Nate somehow beat them up, but I just don't see how that could possibly happen. No, I I think he's, it's literally like he basically manipulated them into it. He just goaded them into it. Yeah. Insane. And I think it is actually genuinely something about the gym because he starts the conversation with, so do you go to the gym? Mm-hmm. And then do you guys, was, like, work out together or something? Yeah. And then, like, later on he says something along the lines of, oh, something about sets versus reps. Like, mm-hmm. like I 100% think he just manipulated those two dudes into, like... Straight up knocking each other yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Which, honestly, like, this the part where, like, you come into that scene and Nate is just sitting there, like, so innocently is actually, like hilarious and kind of iconic and also we get bad hat weird accent nate back again no i'm fucking telling you it is just at this point i don't even need to elaborate bad accent bad hat that's it that's that's the discussion you've boiled him down to To his bare bare essentials (laughs) (laughs) he was even drinking as well like it was the trifecta of nate Mm -hmm. you know oh okay on elliot taking the butt out yeah now, the buds in this episode, interestingly, are actually important plot-wise twice, yeah. which, like, I don't think there's any, like, real significance to talk mm-hmm. about in that, but I do think it is interesting that, like, we haven't really heard anything about the buds. Yeah. Like, other than just they have them. Yeah. Like, it, obviously, there was it's a It's sort of that thing that it's the... just, like, you know they, like, if they're on a job, they have their earbuds in. Like, yeah. that is... It is just, like, the base level assumption of any episode of Leverage. If they don't have the earbuds for whatever reason, mm-hmm. 
there is a reason. Yeah, like, and, and they it, will point it out that they don't have the earbuds. Yeah, and it was a plot point that my streaming service decided to, to, to show me in the prison job that they had to get Nate an earbud. Yeah. Like, so whenever the earbuds are relevant, they're, like, really relevant. And I thought it was interesting that this episode, they made a point of them twice as pivotal moments in the plot like Elliot removing one so that he could have like a bit of a private makeout session which I thought was like quite courteous of him but also stupid of him like you know anyway we know why but men are stupid and horny, are stupid and horny Elliot edition and so anyway him taking out the bud I literally wrote a note that was like oh Elliot how quickly is this gonna go bad now you've taken the bud out and then my next note is ah immediately <laughs> and but the other time that they had the bud be important is when at the very end the bad guy of the week is like has like beaten mm. Elliot up, quote unquote, have him double over, and then he's like whispering, be like, You think I'm gonna confess to a murder? Straight and into his ear. Where straight was- into his ear. And in my mind, I was like, Oh, he's confessing directly into the comms. And then yeah. I was immediately proven right, and I mm. felt like a genius, which honestly, probably not earned. Yeah. But I will take what I can no, get. Yeah. <laughs> Because it, it is that sort of thing where you just forget about it. Like, they always They're have so their comps. Like, it, it, they just always have the earbuds in. Like, mm. and you just sort of, you forget about their presence. And that's why, like, like in this job when Elliot removes it to, like, make out with Joe, I actually cannot remember. Yeah, the, me neither. I, I keep going to call her Joe, and that's why I said brother-sister duo earlier, because I was like, I don't remember her name, and I don't want to call her Joe. <laughs> We know who she is. Like, she's Joe. I want to say her name starts with an A, maybe. Like, Ashley or something. But I could be entirely wrong mm. about that. But, so, like, like he removes the earbud there. We also see it in the Order 23 job when he removes the earbud before he goes and talks to the kid. Like, when they're removing an earbud, it's typically, like... Significant. A significant thing. And even... No, that's a future episode that I can't quote yet. And even during spoilers. <laughs> even during spoilers, um... The one with the car where Elliot goes for a swim, it's significant. <laughs> Wait, can I make a guess based on what you just said? Go for does it. Does Elliot get trapped in a car and driven into like a lake or something and then he has to break out of the car? Like does someone try to kill him by pushing a car that he's in into like a body of water? Because no when, you, when you said car and go for a swim, I was like, how could these things possibly be related? And that's that's my immediate thought. No comment. I said someone... it in the least spoilery way. <laughs> Everyone who has seen this show knows exactly what I am talking about. I reckon I know exactly what you're talking about. I reckon someone tries to send Elliot into a watery grave and he breaks the window and escapes. Mm. And we also have <laughs> we have other ones where they don't have them for other reasons again. Um, and so they have to rely on other forms of technology. Carry a pigeon and the like. <laughs> Absolutely. Carry a pigeon is their solution in that episode. I knew it would be. Yeah. Psychic Bethany knows mm. no bounds. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so when they don't have them, it is significant. Yeah. And there is always a reason for them not to have it. If they're going into an episode like this where it's, like, pre-planned and they sort of – they choose to go after – like, we have a couple of episodes where it's sort of like they discover something in the middle of doing something else so they don't have an opportunity to use them for whatever reason. Mm. Um, and that's a bit different, but – if they're not, like, just living their normal lives and they're actually purposely going after a mark, you can assume pretty well blanket statement that they are going gonna, are gonna to have the comms in. Yeah. And so I think it's really smart that they, like, yeah. I thought it was really interesting that they were highlighting the comms and I had two possible thought trajectories about it. 
The first possible trajectory was that maybe they were highlighting a theme of like miscommunication or Mm. something. Because I was like, well, that would be my... If I was going to use the comms to convey a thematic point, Mm. it would make sense that it's regarding communication, right? Yeah. But now like the other... But the other trajectory that I thought of is that it could just be they were highlighting the comms in that first scene where he takes one out just so that you're thinking about the comms so that later when the guy speaks into them, you're not like you haven't forgotten they have them because Mm. they are such a commonplace thing now. Like we just kind of forget that they have them because they just always do. So I wonder it could maybe be just drawing the audience's attention and like reminding them like, hey, they have these pieces of tech. That's going to be important later. Don't forget that. Because they sort of, like, remind you maybe once a season about the comms. Normally, when we get reminded about it, it's because Hardison's like, oh, hey, look, I've done upgrades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or someone takes one out like an idiot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Elliot. Elliot. Almost always Elliot. (laughs) If someone's going to take out a comm like an idiot, it's almost always Elliot. Mm. Almost always. That does feel in line with his character. I feel like the only other character who would be super likely to take one out is Nate, but Nate likes being in control too much. And so taking out the bud not only makes him more in control of his own actions, but does give him way less control over everyone else, which I Mm. think is an immediate drawback that he wouldn't, that wouldn't appeal to him. We get a moment that I just love so dearly, which is I don't speak on command, Hardison. And then Hardison is immediately like, okay, thanks. I'll use that. And he does the Batman and he's like, Mm -hmm. he is into it. He's like, yes. He loves sounding like Batman. And then Hardison does the Smurfs. And and Parker is having the time of her fucking life. She's like, this is great. (laughs) And Elliot is going to commit a crime. (laughs) This is very much like an Elliot episode, though. And I think we'd be remiss to not talk about, once I made her a promise that I'd be there for her if she ever needed me, I also made that same promise to the US government. I worked out you can only make that promise to one person. Yeah. And that is probably the most serious point of like, like there's serious points in the episode, mm. but I think that is probably the like the most serious character point of the episode. Yeah. In a in a generally very light, like other than the obvious like criminal of the week, you yeah. know, shenanigans, like this particular moment for the as like the core cast, this was the the touchstone point of like, oh, character stuff. And of course that is then bookended by Joe essentially being like, hey, want to run away with me to become a country music star? Yeah. And him being like, some roads you start going down, you can't turn back. I'm about 100 miles down one of those right now. Yeah. And then I love that they're like, wow, that sounds like a bad country song. And I was like, it also sounds like a supernatural reference. <laughs> uh, oh, I also want to point out that the song was called The Road Not Traveled. And I was yeah. like, that also is very supernatural coded. I'm pretty sure that's actually genuinely a Christian Kane song. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, like, I'm pretty I sure, like, love you, that. Like, that's actually because he does have like a little bit of a music career on the sky. On yeah, the side. so it's Jensen. Very Jensen coded. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm pretty sure that's actually genuinely one of his songs. Oh, cool. That's like, I don't know if he wrote it himself or it was written for him. Yeah. But like, that's cool. I'm pretty sure like he has like a music video and shit to it. Like, I do you know what I would love? This is so irrelevant to our podcast topics, but I would love to hear a collaborative song with. Christian Kane and Jensen Ackles because their vocals are quite like compatible I think Mm -hmm. given the right song I think that would be quite good anyway yes Elliot is Elliot in this episode is is very interesting and first of all I love that he is actually quite passionate about like music and stuff Mm -hmm. and like he wants to do well and even though Hardison is there being like bro I'm gonna like live auto tune you like Mm -hmm. don't worry about it he's still like 
no, like I have to do this song justice, like, Mm. because it's not, it means something and it means more to this person than I will ever understand. And like, also it's just clicked in my head that he's low key, like Troy Bolton coded from high school musical. You're so correct. Oh my God. Get your head in the game. (laughs) Um, yeah, like I, I love that he is actually genuinely passionate and wants to not only do do his job properly, as in, like, do properly by the crew and the con, mm. but also he so desperately wants to do well by Joe. Like, yeah. he knows how much this means. He knows what is what she has lost and, like, what she has to gain if they do this properly. And I like that – I like that we get to see him connect with the mark. And also we've talked a lot about, especially, like, last season – Connect with the mark? Oh, you know what I mean. Connect with the victim of the week. Okay. Um, I was like, not connect with the mark. That – yeah, look, I fucked up. We'll look. Though we do get one of my favourite, like, it's got to be a top ten trope in Leverage for me, which is Elliot getting beaten to shit in the background mm-hmm. while everyone else continues. I was having the time of my fucking life watching that scene. <laughs> like, it is a vibe. And the fact that Parker at one point turns around and goes, where's Elliot? Huh. And then they just go back. Oh, so funny. And Elliot in the background pounding on the glass. Like, you fucking assholes, like, turn around. Like, I am literally fighting for my motherfucking life right now. Incredible. So I want to know how the hell they were going to get away with murdering Elliot by gunshot in the middle of a recording studio. Like, what was their... I'm assuming they would, A, clean it up real good, and B, they've got... Like, a lot of the local law enforcement and that sort of under their thumb. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not... Oh, he, I guess he does do the whole, like, I own this town bullshit. Yeah. Oh, but... He also got away with breaking somebody's fucking fingers. Yeah. Like... And also, actually, on that, that whole thing where he has, like, a permanent reservation at, like, the fucking bar or whatever. And him getting so shitty at that poor, like, person at the front who was like, mm-hmm. you cancel your reservation. Like, bro. But he didn't. I mean, he didn't. Madison hacked the system. He didn't, but like, if that's also shit just happens, like, man. Like, that's also just it. him being like a douchebag. Like, yeah. Like, fuck off. What an ass. I. He just. He was horrible. I mean, we've already kind of touched on this. He was an ass, but like. Oh, anyway. Anyway, I do probably want to talk a little bit more about Elliot and that particular like line being like, "I learned you can't make that promise to two different people." Yeah. And I want to talk about it in conjunction with another line we've had from Elliot in the past, which I don't remember which episode it was from, but I want to say early season two. And I think he was talking to Tara. And I think that she says to make along the lines of like, some things are better in theory or something. And he says like love. Yes. And I, <sighs> they don't. She's Kaylin. I just, oh, don't... Kaylin. Yeah. Kaylin I'm not going to remember that. She's Joe. Mm. Uh, but. <laughs> Like, just the way, because Joe makes the point of saying that, you know, have you ever been in love before? And, you know, and then he, she's like, how did it end? And it clearly ended badly. And she's like, hold on to that. And like, I think it is so interesting. Because we've actually already met Amy, who is mm-hmm. who he's thinking about. the two horse job. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that it's interesting that like, as much as we've talked about, and especially last season and like early this season, like they're kind of pushing Elliot as this, like, kind of sleazy ladies' man that, like, we haven't really loved that term yeah. for his character. I do think this is, like, really interesting that we're getting this, like, sort of subtle undercurrent that they just sort of, like, pops its head up to the surface every now mm. and again of, like, you know, actually, that's not who he is at his foundation. It's kind of, I mean, it's very Dean-coded. It's, like, yeah. this sort of facade that he puts on because mm. it's 
easier to pretend than to actually admit that sometimes he's vulnerable and like has deeper emotions and maybe like desires something outside of this like life of violence and mm. sort of enforced an anonymity. Because he's wanted in three countries and when you've done what he's done, it's not paranoia. Yeah. I also loved that line. Oh, that does actually bring up the question though. What do you think he's done that mean, mean, makes him so paranoid? I mean, I assume war crimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I assume he's broken the Geneva Convention. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's Elliot. Like, we know that he was obviously, like, we get confirmed in this episode, he was, like, heavily involved in the military, and, like, we know. Yeah. If you haven't I, picked up on any of the dozen hints they've thrown in at this point, I think this one. This one's pretty explicit. With the line, you can't make that choice, like, you can't. Yeah, he says, I made the same promise to the US government. And you like, can't, yeah, I think that's, and also we know for a fact that he broke his promise to Amy. Yeah, because that was the whole, like. That's the yeah. whole point of it. Like, yeah. so we know that of the two promises he made to be there, he kept the one to the government and he did not keep the one for Amy. Which I do think is really interesting for his character and I would like to delve into like a bit deeper but I don't think we quite have the content to be able to do it. We will have episodes coming up that will be more appropriate for this discussion when we have more information. So if you don't have anything particularly you'd like to say on it at this point that's absolutely okay. We will be getting more down the line. I'm glad to know we get more because I was just going to say like I really want to delve into it but I don't feel like I can. I feel like I don't quite have enough Mm. to draw any like, I, I know enough to be like, okay, like, he was with Amy, he signed up for the military, and he was called to action, and he chose to do that over a stay with her. Like, I we've got that much. Mm. And I do think that is fascinating, but I don't think I have enough of the story to really delve into exactly why that's fascinating yeah. without making a whole bunch of speculative, yeah. like, assumptions. assumptions yeah. And I'm glad that we get more because I, I would like to mm. have more and be able to actually talk about it sort of in more depth. But... Yeah, I do think it's... LA's past is something that we will uh, examine in more depth moving cool. forward. Cool, 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 Because I am looking forward to that. Oh, very quickly before we move off Elliot, I do love the line where that, like, young girl is, like, loitering outside his room waiting for his autograph and he, like, thinks that she's going to attack him. And he it. goes, who do you work for? And, and she goes, forever 21! <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> like, I love that she answered that question. <laughs> I also love the fact that, like, Hardison, like, Hardison weaponizes his fan club that's popped up, like, overnight. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, like, maybe two dozen girls who saw his concert the night before. Yeah. And I've already made t-shirts, which I know I already said, but I need to highlight how committed they are. I want to know where, like, how did they make them? Like, their turnaround time is amazing. One of them's got a cricket. Like... like. <laughs> Holy nothing shit. will stop adolescent no. girls. If they have set their mind to something, mm. nothing will stop them. No, but we, so, and then obviously Elliot and Hardison have the issue of like, Elliot's like, I cannot have a fan website with my face on it because I am wanted in multiple countries. And Hardison makes the point of like, I don't control everything that ha- happens on the, the internet. internet. Yeah. Like, I don't have control over this, mm-hmm. which I think is just very fun. Considering, like, yeah, they sometimes they do kind of use Hardison as like a he can do anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like they even have him in this episode, like send out like a mass text or whatever to like the girls to be like he's in this car. Yeah, he puts it on the forum boards essentially. Yeah, yeah, like, and it's like yeah, it's like an easy an easy fix kind of thing. 
But it's nice to have a reminder that, like, he actually can't do everything. Yeah. He's very good at what he does and he can do a lot. But also, there are limits to his abilities. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. I have a logistical question for you. And this is kind of based on the concept of Elliot having a sudden overnight fan club for Kenneth Kane. Yeah. Crane. Crane. Yeah. Which is hilarious that they made it basically his last name, just add a letter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I am confused by the concept of the festival. Mm. I understand it as a plot point. Like, I understand that, like, the idea is that you debut the song and then, like, there are people there in the audience yeah. who will be like, oh, we like that, we'd be interested in having a contract yeah. with you kind of thing. I get that. I don't understand why they had it at the same location as where Elliot had previously debuted the song. Because here's the thing. The whole point was that it was a song that had not been heard before. Yeah. The idea is that they're presenting it as if it is Elliot's song. Yeah. Right. So he's played it at this like yes yeah. like this local pub basically, mm-hmm. and obviously it's a bit of a hive. Like it is pumping, yeah. right? But he's debuted this song. It has gone over so unbelievably well that he has fangirls within that same twenty-four hour period chasing him down a street to the recording studio, and then this guy thinks that he can. What, the next day, go to the same location, sing the same song, and try to pass it off as his? So I would say that is just the case of the mark is kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, I was like, this is a terrible plan. But, and I, I I was assuming that's sort of what the mark is hoping, because it's a different crowd, like one night to the next. One's more like an open mic night, like for singers. Yeah. And then the, the next night is actually like the showcase where you have to buy a ticket. So I think he's sort of assuming that it'll be a different crowd one night to the next. Yeah. And then that because Kenneth Crane has done literally nothing else, he'll just fade out of relevancy, especially considering he's not going to get to do anything else because this dude plans on killing him. Yeah. And then that people will just forget about him because it was such a quick turnaround. Yeah. I just, like, I assumed, and this might just be because I assumed it and then I was, like, weird that they didn't do that. But, like, I assumed that it was going to be, like, like, when you say festival, yeah. in my mind, I'm imagining outdoors. Like, do you know what I, I mean? I think that like, might be an Australia thing. Which could be just a, a geographical thing. But yeah. I can't think of, like, a single festival off the top of my head that's primarily indoors. Like, you have events within a festival, like yeah. shows within a festival indoors. Mm. But, like, the actual festival is outdoors. And so I, I was picturing, like, a stage in a field and, like, a couple hundred to a few thousand people, which like obviously in terms of making a television show is not practical. I think it's I think it's more so like like the fringes of festival. Yeah, I think rather yeah. than like a music festival. Like I think it's more so like a series of smaller events that all come together to create a festival. Okay. Versus and like it is established in this episode that Mitchell Kirkwood has like he can pull the strings to basically get anyone a spot in the festival. Mm. So it's like implied that he's pretty heavily involved in the festival. Yeah. Makes sense. He runs the record label. Like a lot of them would be his acts to be able to like yeah. that sort of stuff. And also we know for a fact that he owns the bar. Yes. So it makes sense that he'd be that trying would be a location to, for the festival. Like he would be trying to up his profits by having the festival that yeah. he runs at the bar that he yeah. owns. I get that. I guess in my mind, I was thinking like country music festival and my brain just like auto defaults to like the Hannah Montana movie. Yeah. And like that kind of But that's a fair, not a festival. But I mean, you know, the same kind of like it's an open air concert. Like it's 
I think this one's more of a festival in terms of like maybe like a cabaret festival is a festival. Where there's like a lot of individual things happening yeah. within like a geographical sort of yeah. zone. I like within a city, there is like Eight four or five venues. or six all right, different venues. Each venue hosts maybe one, two, three elements of the festival. It goes for like a week. Yeah. More like sort of fashion week or something like that mm-hmm. than like a traditional like music festival where it's all, it's like over a weekend or whatever yeah. and it's all at the same location and you just have multiple stages set up at the same venue. Yeah. Yeah. So like a fringe festival versus like Coachella. Yeah. Because like I'm imagining like Coachella. Mm. To be fair, we don't have Coachella, but from what the pictures I've yeah. seen of it, that's what I was thinking. I'm thinking like open field stage, singular. Yeah. Okay. Because I was just like confused as to what the fuck is thought process was on that like i i'm assuming he's just hoping that it's a different enough crowd and that enough people will hear it and then he'll actually release the song so it's just like kenneth crane will just get forgotten in the process of all of this it just seemed like a wild but also this dude's not very smart no he's just kind of a he's just a bully he just kind of got lucky like he was mean and got lucky and to be fair like i feel like that i sort of summarizes a lot of like villains but yeah yeah, like he was mean and he got lucky and this was his comeuppance like this is karma yeah i know we already like talked about parker a little bit Mm -hmm. and like her role in this episode i want to highlight just a couple of things about her oh yeah i have like three or four things and i have a feeling that maybe three of of them are going to be the same (laughs) Yeah, so you obviously already mentioned, like, the cat burglar. Yes. And, like, I was 10. Iconic. And, like, and uh, Ellie goes, from when you were 10, and she goes, like, oh, maybe 9, which is, like, the opposite direction to what Ellie was thinking. And I love So we, we get established that she's been stealing shit since she was 9 or 10. Yeah. Which is, just add that onto the timeline of Parker. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And then I'm kind of interested to know, do we know at what age she met Archie? We don't know for certain, but there are certain events that we get ages for that okay. we can presume that we she met. create a timeline. Yeah. I In my brain, we... Obviously, I can't tell you all of the events That's okay. on the timeline, but we learn about another character called Kelly, mm-hmm. and I want to say that she met Archie after the events that happened that we know about with Kelly. So for anyone listening, you know what episode is relevant to that. But I would say that we met them later. And then when we get the the age that she met Kelly was like 10, 11, 12. So like in my brain, she meets Archie at maybe like 13, 14, Early 15. teens. Okay. Yes. All right. Interesting. Not pre-teens, just early teens. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we already kind of mentioned that we got that little line from her, which was like really fun, but also really informative. Do we want to like back and forth trade yeah, on a couple points okay cool um i just want to make a very quick note that her boots in that like when she's like yeah. doing that whole bit where she's stealing like i just love the twirling that's how the twirling the twirling and the boots and her calves look amazing and she's like dancing and she's like duh, duh, mm-hmm. and, and no one's noticing because she's no. just a pretty girl dancing at a bar yeah she like the smoke about like the boots and like the twirling and the calf muscles and the like Picking the pockets. I was like, she looks incredible and I love her boots so much. She is so... I love her. Yeah. And then we get, of course, my favourite thing is just her confusion over who the fiddle is. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> she's like, so who's the fiddle? And they're like, fiddles just walked in the door. And then later on she's trying on her costume so she's off screen and all you hear is, oh, Elliot's the fiddle. I love her like immediate reaction being like, put hands up in the air, wax harvested in the face. <laughs> I can't play the fiddle <laughs> which is hilarious because we come off of like two episodes ago 
Harbison. We have Harbison playing the violin. Yeah. I also loved when she was playing the, like, famous artist or whatever. Yeah. When she's knockoff Bjork. Yeah. Which way to the meditation temple? Iconic. I also just love... Uh, she takes the sip of water and she's like, this yes, isn't from an iceberg. That was my next point. I And then she's so like, funny. champagne. And she does like the little, little jump clap. clap thing. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, babe, I love you. Mm-hmm. She's iconic. And like the quacking. She's near and dear to my heart. And also I just love the wig. Like the wig and the dress and it's just the eye makeup. So weird and I love it so much. Yeah. Like they went all out. And I know you mentioned it earlier, but she has that moment where she goes to Nate. I don't know if I'm being weird enough and Nate's like I sincerely doubt that. <laughs> Which is just I love that this is the first time like we've gotten Parker kind of acting odd while undercover like the whole like she just loves air like you know that kind of thing like we've got that but she's before. trying to play like a normal character acting mm-hmm. odd. this is the first time we've had her acting odd trying because, to act strangely yeah because um, the character is weird it's great it's so fascinating to see like parker's interpretation of weird yeah <laughs> I also love, she's talking to JC and JC's like, oh, aren't you going to go in there with them? And she goes, and risk being tainted? Yeah. By what? Exactly. Yeah. And then that entire scene, I just, I live for it. She mm-hmm. is, she is so good. Also, she's the one who spots, like, isn't the music studio meant to be, like, soundproof? Yeah. Like, it turns out they've actually removed some of the soundproofing to put the safe in. Yeah. Which is why she can hear it. So, like, so she, like, she stops and she's, like, yep, found the safe. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, babe. It's it's great. It's so fun, this episode. I, I mean, most episodes of Leverage yeah. are really fun. And, yeah, this is, this is no exception. It's so funny to see Parker. Like, and actually, thinking about it just as you were saying it, like, obviously this is television. So mm-hmm. it's, like, a bit fantastical. It's a little bit over the top. Like, Gotta suspend your disbelief a little bit. Exactly, right? But it does make you realise, like... If someone, like, if I was at my job and someone interacted with me the way that Parker was interacting with JC, I would have a very similar reaction to JC. I'd be like, I have no idea what's going on. JC is the true MVP of this episode. I am telling you. She is, like, trying her damnedest. She's a fucking sweetheart. I love JC. Like, she is. And, of course, we have the bit where she walks in and, like, Hardison's like, did you look at her? Because, mm-hmm. Parker's done the funniest little like into Hardison's yeah. ear. Uh huh. It's just like honestly, just so funny because it reminds me that like yeah, like if I if I decided to just like tell someone like go in there and risk being tainted, someone literally would be like, "What do you mean?" And I'd be like, "Exactly," and they would have the same reaction, like. It's funny because, like, it feels over the top. But then if you think about it, you're like, no, no. If I was in this situation playing either character in this scenario, I can see how this would go down exactly like this. Parker is over the top, but that's the point. That's the point. She's just being eccentric. And JC is just trying to, like... Desperately not get fired. (laughs) And so it's, like, it's that thing of, like, oh, if you just run into someone who's acting like Parker on, like, a day-to-day basis... You probably would react differently. But JC is trying to keep her happy because, like, she's been basically told by her boss, 
you need to keep these people happy. This is an A-list celebrity. Because like, we are going to lose out, like, we are going to lose out on a whole butt ton of money mm-hmm. if you can't keep these people happy. So JC is just desperately trying... Anything. Anything to work with these people to keep them happy. Mm-hmm. And also you have Parker just going, like, too cluttered. No, no, no. Not, not enough cluttered enough. enough. Yeah. Like... Incredible. And then there's the fake coughing. She's like, I need water. No, it's mm-hmm. not from an iceberg. It's not good enough. Like, I also love JC being like, I don't think we have that. <laughs> like, Oh, speaking of iconic, we also get a very fun line from Hardison this episode where he just says to Nate, how old are you? And it was, I, oh, peak. We also get Hardison being a fake kill, Billy. <laughs> and he's like, they better not have double booked me. I've got like, and like, it's really funny because you can see he's starting to pick up on like the way that like Sophie and that manipulate people. Yeah. And so he's like, like, and obviously it's like a ruse designed by Sophie and Nate to work. Mm-hmm. But like, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, this dude, like, he's really into Brooks and Dunn. we got to find a Brooks and Dunn to be. And he's yeah. like, flipping fantastic. Like, da da da. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Actually, do you know what is really interesting as well? Just touching on Sophie and Nate very quickly is that they immediately come to the same conclusion. Like, Sophie and Nate are on the same, like, wavelength this episode, which is really interesting because, like, last episode we have the whole bit about, like, pointing out his drunkenness as being, like, an issue again. And so, like, it's interesting that they've kind of stepped back from it in this episode. We barely touch on it. Like, we we see him drinking, but there's no actual discussion. We don't actually see any negative fallout as a result of him drinking, which is rare. Like, usually it's, like, you know, at least highlighted a little bit more sort of on the nose. But yeah, like here we have Sophie and Nate working like quite cooperatively and it's refreshing, honestly. It's nice. And I think this is also like a, it's an, it's an update on the last few episodes because Mm -hmm. the last few episodes, almost verbatim, we've had the line, you're a thief now, save yourself. So this is Sophie giving him the space to save himself. Yeah. This is Sophie being there to support him, but not being there to save him. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, we have them on the same page this entire episode, and it's really great, really fantastic, and I really love seeing them work together because, like, when they work together, they are terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like, fucking terrifying. They're unbelievably good. Oh, sorry, not to distract us, but also very quickly the line from Sophie where she's like, we've got a problem. He doesn't think he's buying the fiddle. He thinks he is the fiddle. (laughs) I was like, yeah, this man's ego is through the fucking roof. Yeah. It's very rare, though, that they don't sort of exactly judge a mark. Like, it is... Yeah. But also, this was foreshadowed from the beginning, from literally the first scene when they talk about how Mitchell Kirkwood, if he wants something, he just steals it. So we've already got that called out as a key character trait at the beginning. And so when it turns out that his plan is to steal it... Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, well, duh, it's his M.O. Well, duh, it's his M.O. We've known this from the beginning of the episode. Huh. That is so interesting. I am very glad, like, the format that we run this podcast in, and also Driver Picks, is very fun for me because... We don't have to pre-script anything. That... (laughs) <laughs> so we put in way less work than literally every every everyone else we work with. Yes, but primarily, like I would never pick up on that, like yeah. because I am taking in so much brand new information mm-hmm. for this episode. Like I have to understand the whole plot and all the character stuff, and like to the best of my ability, 
having only seen this episode one time, literally this morning, you know, and then coming into a room and talking to you about it. But because you have seen it so many times, like, you know those intricacies, and so you can point it out, and it makes my viewing experience so much more interesting. Yeah. Because, like, I can be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, I didn't pick up on that. And at the, They you know, do literally say, like, he just... He, he yeah. stole it. He stole it like he stole everything. Like, yeah. And it has... Thesis statement for the mark of the week. And yeah. so then when it turns out that his plan is to kill Elliot and steal it, you're not surprised. And it has made me sort of... It has increased my desire to sort of go back and re-watch earlier episodes. At the moment, I'm abstaining because I don't want to have more concrete thoughts yeah. on things. I don't want to pick up on stuff because yeah. the whole point is that I'm going in blind. You so want to I'm be like, a I want to get first through... watch three. Like... Yeah, so I'm like, I want to get through the first five seasons without re-watching stuff and without doing, like, the critical analysis that I would do of, like, Supernatural that I've seen a million times mm-hmm. so that I can, like, fully understand it. But it is interesting hearing you be like, yeah, they, like, shouted this out or there was this foreshadowing and it's stuff that I'm like, never in a middle of million years will I have noticed this because there's too much big mm. dramatic stuff that I have to know yeah. versus the little stuff that takes that second or third rewatch to yeah. pick up on. And um, yeah, it is it is very fun. And like I know that for our Supernatural pod, we're going to, at the end of the Cricky era, we've kind of dis- discussed going back and reviewing a couple of the earlier yeah. episodes with a bit more like now that you've got the hindsight. Yeah. But I would be interested to do that if you have like a couple of key leverage episodes, I think yeah. that could also be really fun because I will probably go back and rewatch a fair chunk, honestly, of yeah. this series. I've enjoyed it substantially more than I expected to after having watched the pilot and the first couple of episodes. Yeah. Like I'm invested now. So just you wait. So I think it would be fun like to go back, but for, the, for like for the moment it is, I do very much appreciate you being able to point out those like little bits and details that I'm just not going to pick up. Mm-hmm. Like I might, but it's a significantly lower possibility than, like, people who've seen it a million times. I do just love the implication of this episode now that if Elliot gets recognised on the street, there are three different reasons why he could be recognised. The funniest part is that, like, he would need context from the person recognising yeah. him as to what... Because imagine if he starts talking about baseball and they're like, what are you... No, your song. I love your song. Like... Yeah, like... <laughs> also, while we're talking about the music in this episode, Kirkland's original... Like, oh, so And the fucking effects in the music video. The, like... Was it, like, a bald eagle in the American flag or whatever? It's <laughs> so fun. It reminded me of... I don't know if you ever watched How I Met Your Mother. Mm. I never, like, finished it. No, but I think I know the Canada Robin's song. song. With, yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it is so fucking funny. And Sophie is 100% a babe and 100% correct when she said we should take him down for that alone. Like... <laughs> It is bad. And also, like, hilarious that she's like, oh, we should take him down for that alone, not even realizing that one of the reasons you should take him down is because he 100% had killed that someone. dude killed so he could steal his song. Yeah. Here's the Okay, here's the other thing, though, about this that did just generally confuse me about the episode and just the plot. Like, he can clearly actually sing because we see him sing the song at the festival, right? Like, he's not a terrible singer, right? He's not singing. He's lip syncing to the track. Oh. Yeah. No, he is a trash singer. That's why. That's why. If, but isn't Hardison in the booth at that point? In not the, in the sound stage. So, for a timeline of what happens, Elliot and Hardison are in the studio recording. Yeah. Park is like, I can't go in there. I'll be tainted. So she's making JC basically run around with her so that she can yeah, inspect yeah, yeah, the entire yeah, yeah, building yeah, yeah. to I find the safe. She finds a safe. Uh-huh. JC's sufficiently distracted. She mm. gets into the safe, finds all the masters. She yeah, takes yeah. them back to Hardison in the studio 
Elliot's still on the other side recording. Mm. As they go through the tapes, they work out exactly what happened to Jesse Jenkins. Mm-hmm. They then try to kill um, Hardison, not Hardison, Elliot, Elliot. Um, while Parker and Hardison are Distracted. going through the tapes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they all get out of there, but they've left the master recording mm-hmm. in the thing. Yeah, see, I know that. But when he's performing at the end of the episode, aren't... Hard- isn't Hardison in the booth? Like, not the recording studio. Isn't he in the booth of the bar? Because he's listening on... He's recording on the comms of Elliot's comm. Isn't that where he and Parker are? Are he... They, I think because then they've put Elliot's master in the thing because he hands it to the DJ. Yeah. Or whatever. And then I think at some point Hardison breaks into the booth and stops it. Okay. Because I was like, how... How could he be lip syncing if Hardison is controlling the audio output? I was like, how is that possible? And or Hardison allows him to lip sync until they get Kaylin in position yeah. to take over. Take over essentially. Okay. Okay. Because I was I assumed he was just singing. And no. so I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, why wouldn't he just like clearly he can't write songs, but why doesn't he just sing songs other people have written without stealing them. That happens literally all the no, time. No, because he can't sing. Because he can't he sing. He is lip syncing okay. in the bar. And I don't know if it's a matter of, like, Hardison breaks in later mm-hmm. or, because I like, like, or Hardison's there and they, they sort of, they're like, no, we'll let him sing so that he thinks he's one. Yeah. And then we'll cut out so they can see Kaylin so that Kaylin still gets to perform the song and be seen by the executives okay. performing the song and then we'll play the... Uh, Audio that they recorded on the, the comms. Yeah. yeah. Because I I assumed that he was going to lip sync because you see him in the car, like, practicing with his yeah. And they take the CD. But then, like, I was confused. I was like, is he not lip syncing? Like, is he just? Because, no, yeah, he, okay. he is lip syncing okay. in the bar. All right. All right. Because I was just confused because I was like, but if yeah. Hardison is in the booth, I was like, then why would Hardison, why would Hardison play yeah. it? Like, he could just take Either the that CD or at out. that point, they'd already worked out the most efficient way would be... Mm. To sort of to let him think he'd win. Kirkwood he'd on stage, basically. Yeah. All right. You can't really run away when everyone's eyes are on you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because that was the thing that I was kind of like, I don't quite get, but I suppose it's just a matter of like circumstance. Mm. I also just want to point out, like, it's, I don't know if it's our second or our third or our fourth instance of Elliot twirling things Spencer. <laughs> um, we get a lot of Elliot twirling things Spencer. It's just a fun recurring bit. In, like, because he twirls the bloody, like, the, the drumstick before he tries to beat someone to death with it. Yeah. And I think it's very fun. I love Elliot twirling things, Spencer. I think we can almost count him, like, flicking the microphone out and twirling the microphone stand in that as yeah. well. Yeah. Because I did love that move. I The fight choreography it. of that, like, the, the mm-hmm. fight in the studio is very fun. Incredible. Incredible. So, yes, uh, I do agree. I love Elliot twirling things, Spencer. I think that we can count two instances in this episode. Oh, and I also just want to quickly shout out the costuming choices for um, bloody Hardison as Kay Gent. The white fur <laughs> coat is iconic. And I also love the line, I crossed an ocean, a pond, and a creek to get here. Yeah. Also, he he goes, he says something like, baby. And like Nate's like, who are you referring to, baby? He's like, it's a universal baby. Mm-hmm. That's when he calls him old. Yeah, I loved that. But no, that was all of the points that I wanted to make for this episode. So if you are also done, mm-hmm. I am all tapped out for points. For we this shall head into the second portion of this. That's considerably shorter than the first. <laughs> what would you rate this episode? So I gave this one a three point five. Yeah, and honestly, it 
It might feel a little harsh, but yeah. here's here's my reasoning. I was going to give it a four. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, nothing really happens. Like, it's yeah. a fun episode. But I think that, like, just comparatively against, like, last week's episode, where it was a very fun episode, but also a lot of stuff, like, happened. Like, it was, like, yeah. very complicated and, like, a whole bunch of other stuff happened. This episode felt a lot more straightforward. Like, it was less intricate, I suppose. Yeah. And we didn't, like, we get a little bit of character stuff out of Elliot and that, but we don't get... Anything significant that, like, forwards the greater plot with, no. like, the Italian or Moreau. And we also don't get anything that's significantly, like, specifically character development in any great mm. amount of detail. So I was kind of like, as filler as leverage gets, yeah. this is probably this is the most filler it gets. A filler episode. Which it is does, a bad thing. But it, it just, comparatively with some other episodes, I docked at half a point. If you, if you look at it, it does actually have some setup for later stuff, but it's so subtle that you do... I don't have that context yet. You do miss it when you don't have the context. I think three and a half is, like, it's fine. It's maybe a tiny bit harsh, but it's it, it's a fun episode. I think it does a good job of its concept. I, I really enjoy it. I think it's very fun, and I do revisit this episode quite a bit because it's very fun. But you're absolutely right. It, it doesn't have a lot of the substance that you are typically after in a TV show. I mean, it's, it came after pretzels. Like, like it's a high bar to try and, you know. I just don't think that it, it like, that whole, last week's episode was so fun and yeah. also so significant. Yeah. And this week's episode was, like, fun. Yeah. And so I'm kind of like, eh, like, I know they can do more. So I, mm. I'm more docking half a point because I'm like, yeah, my standards have been raised. So work harder. Like, I know what you're capable of now. Yeah. So meet it, you know? We didn't even talk about fucking Sophie slapping Nate in the episode. Oh, yes. I love that she's taking every possible opportunity to slap him. Like, I get that it made sense for the con. Yeah. But also, she was just like, I see an opportunity and I'm going to take it. I love that, like, they're like, how did how did Kirkwood find us? And they're like, well, there is only so many, like, five-star hotels in town. Like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I would probably storm off about now. She's like, I'm going to give it another a beat. beat. And then she, like walks off and oh iconic i love her while we are still wrapping up though because we cannot derail uh how do you think this episode slash do you think this episode ties in tomorrow Mm, no not really i was thinking about this i was like i don't know at all how this could Mm -hmm. possibly tie into a larger plot like like he there was that whole bit around he's like i own this town or whatever which could be like maybe it's like somehow tied to like a guy who owns like a city you know like yeah. but i'm that feels reaching yeah. i i genuinely was trying to think about it and i was like i don't know how this could connect so i'm just gonna say i don't think this one does i think i've managed to make some kind of halfway yeah. decent connection between just about every episode up to yeah. this point but this one i'm like no i think that's fair and valid i think yeah i think there is nothing obviously that connects this episode to the overarching plot mm. Okay, lovely. The next episode is called The Gone Fishing Job. <laughs> what do you think it could be about? Okay. I mean, if someone's like, if you say like, oh, gone fishing, it's usually like a joke. It's usually yeah. like, oh, I'm taking an extended lunch break. Like you might walk past an office building that has a sign being like gone fishing back at two kind of yeah. thing. And I don't know. So maybe it's like, I don't know, like an extended vacation kind of thing. Like mm. maybe someone's gone missing or yeah. maybe... I don't know, gone fishing. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like sustainable salmon farming or some shit, or tuna yeah. farming, maybe. I don't know. I'm finding that it usually, I'm finding that if I don't know what an episode could be about, I'm really defaulting to like environmental concerns and sustainability. Like with the bottle job and stuff, I did the same thing. I'm like, I don't know. 
Yeah, okay. I'm going to say sustainable fishing practices. Okay, lovely. I've got nothing. <laughs> Perfect. Well, if you want to interact with us anywhere at all, because that brings us to the end of the episode, thank you so much for listening. But if you do want to interact with us at all further, we are on various social media platforms. We will include links for literally everything in the description below. You can find us all sorts of places. And if you do want to reach out and talk to us, suggested tongue. Suggested tongue. Yeah. <laughs> suggested conversation topics include... Favourite bits for mm. Parker and Hardison. Like, favourite, like, when they're playing roles. Obviously, yeah. like, spoilers, like, yada, 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 yada. But, like, because every single time those two play any yeah. kind of character, it's incredible. Like, it's hilarious or just... Yeah. So, and, like, either their outfits, they look hot as hell, or they're just so bizarre and hilarious. Like, I just love it. I love it so much. I would like everyone to make a tier list of... Elliot Spencer micro-celebrity identities yes. and send them through to me. You can't send them through to Beth yet because they will be spoilers. But I still think it would be... I do want them. I think it would be so funny for him to be a micro-celebrity chef or or a game show host. Mm. Oh, my God. Galaxy Brain. Ready, steady, cook. That is that is what I want. I want an episode of Leverage where they have to somehow be involved. If Is Ready, steady, cook Australian? Yes. For anyone who doesn't know, Ready, Steady, Cook is the shit. It is what, I don't think it airs anymore, but it is what I would watch if I was homesick from school and you had two teams and it was like the green capsicums and the red capsicums and it was like a whole cooking competition Most thing. Most people won't even know what capsicums are. Well, <laughs> bell peppers or whatever the fuck you call them. Anyway, so, <laughs> oh, it was so good. I, oh man, I forgot about Ready, Steady, Cook. Mm. That shit was Poor so Good. Genuinely, if I was homesick from school, I would be like, I'd be watching Ready, Steady, Cook. It's a daytime TV gold mine. Well, thank you so much for listening to us today. Please join us again next week for the Gone Fishing Job. We have had an absolute blast. We would really love to see you again next week. But thank you so much for your time. And have a lovely afternoon, evening, morning, lunch, brunch, midnight, 2 a.m., literally any time of the day. We are suitable for all hours. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We're suitable for all hours. What does that even mean, Jamie? <laughs>